0: This is True Crime 1 on 1 from the Footwear Chronicles network. I'm your host Eric Runder King Fisk. On this episode, I interview Nancy Simpson from the Toll podcast. On each episode, I interview true crime podcasters, investigators, and authors to ask them about their motivations. What inspires these people to become determined to do what they do? What are the original cases that gave them their start? What cases are they working on now? And what is the holy grail of true crime topics that they want to tackle in the future? Nancy Simpson shares with us how she began her career in broadcasting, how to conduct a great interview, and tells us about the toll podcast and why the story of Shirley Jane Rose, who vanished from Springfield, Missouri, on the night of October 17th, 1975, matters still to this day as Nancy and her team wrote on their website in their description and mission statement. The Toll podcast explores the collateral damage of a crime or unexpected loss has on families. It touches their community. We also talk about the hard work that goes into doing a true crime podcast and the importance of doing your own research and giving credit where credit is due. A special note this interview was done over the phone at a location with poor signal quality. The audio did cut out a couple of times, and while we were able to edit out most of the problems, there are still a few glitches. A special thank you to Nancy for sticking with it and seeing it through to the end. That kind of tenacity shows up not only in this podcast, but all the other great work that she does. Once again, here is Nancy Simpson from the Toll Podcast on True Crime One-on-One from the Fedora Chronicles. Thanks for listening.
1: My name is Nancy Simpson. I work for KTS Radio in Springfield, Missouri, here in the Ozarks. Um, I knew I wanted to be in radio when I was in fourth grade, so it was a no-brainer to me. I just didn't know how I was going to get there or how long it would take me. <laughs> Turns out, as an adult, I took custody of my sister and spent three years at a university for communications. And that kind of really wasn't what I wanted. But uh, when I took custody of my sister, I decided... I wanted to be a really good role model for her. So I enrolled myself into broadcasting school, and I enrolled her into uh, high school. And from there, I got my very first radio job at KTPS in Springfield, and it was in the newsroom. And I have been there for 22 years, my first and only radio job. (laughs) A year and a half ago, um, I had the opportunity to literally walk eight steps. To the next room and be part of the KTTS morning show. So I went from death and destruction to entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> but I literally, I'm in the same building. I'm eight steps away from my old job and I'm still part of the KTTS family, which was really important to me because I do love it there. Um, but yeah, I had started this podcast um, at the urging of a program director down the hallway for our top 40 station. As you learn in the podcast, his name is Jay, and yeah. he was nudging me to do this with him. And I was like, I don't know, not the time. Um, talking through cases, and we picked this one eventually to uh, to push forward with. And so uh, for a year and a half, I've been doing it. Uh, in the When I was in the well,
0: yeah, the phone's being finicky. No way. Way. It's like now you're there. Now you're there. One of the things I wanted to ask you is is that you knew at such an early age you wanted to get into radio. What What is it about radio that you love so much, and, and how has your love evolved over time?
1: Um, but it's just one of those things. Can't explain it. <laughs> I just wanted to be in the radio business. I wanted to talk on the radio and again, when I was in fourth grade, I was like, Oh, well, I'm supposed to. And I had a really great teacher who said, You're a really good writer. This is this is your thing. Grammar, punctuation, yeah. you can find something in that line of work. And so being on the radio and being in news, being a storyteller, now being in the morning show where I'm still just telling stories, um, is really the perfect job for me. Yep.
0: <laughs> And, and you were also a storm chaser as well. That, I thought, was a, like a, a great little bit of uh, of of the, the podcast series. What is it about storm chasing that you enjoyed so much?
1: Um, the thrill of it, I guess, and the stories that I get from it. I have the most amazing story from Chasing Storms, and I share some of that in the toll. But uh, even beyond that, I've been doing it for 22 years. Uh, I'm a woman who's a storm chaser. It's, <laughs> I've been featured in, in state news articles, and I just, I love it, but I'm just kind of one of those people. I was struck by lightning when I was 14. I was tased when I was in the Police Citizens Academy. I'm a storm chaser. I'm a second-degree black belt. So I, I kind of do this thing where I push the limits, Yeah, <laughs> and that's that. that is a perfect job
0: for me too. You were struck by lightning at the age of 14.
1: But yet I will want to chase storms. Makes
0: no sense, right? I, I, no. I mean, it kind of, it kind of makes perfect sense if you, if,
2: <laughs> if you're
0: an a, adrenaline junkie or, or, or a glutton for punishment. And that, it, that, that sounds like you, you, it sounds like you are an adrenaline junkie.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's a great description.
0: Yeah. Um, and you've and you and I are about the same age and you've you it sounds like you've lived twice the life I've lived so far so <laughs> it's um, very
1: interesting I keep, yeah I keep very busy <laughs> and,
0: and, and you're also an investigative reporter as well. Um, yes. that's something that um what it, what goes into the um, investigative journalism or the research aspect of it how how do you go about? Uh, researching a story? Um, and what's something that like podcasters like myself need to know when it comes to like actually doing your homework?
1: Well, for me, I have the pedigree, right? 20 yep. years as an investigative reporter and I'm still doing it. So, uh, it, you know, I used to be, but that's certainly not the case at all. I, I very much still that person. Um, And so that part came very easy, which is why Jay sought me out. He wanted to do a podcast, but he didn't have the pedigree to back it up, to do the research. It is such a fine art to interview somebody. And it is a ton of empathy. You have got to make sure that you put yourself in check in every single question. And, you know, you just you just feel
2: every that
1: you ask and you have to shut up because I don't know how many times early on in my career I ruined the best part of the cut mm-hmm. or the or the tape piece that I'm going to use or the interview because I kept interrupting them. And you find that fine art of asking that question and then not saying a word. And they have to fill that, right? Because that's human yep. nature. You want to fill that void. And they usually fill it with the best stuff if you'll just be quiet. It's a really hard thing to do.
0: It's also when you have a ton of questions with a really great guest. Um, and it was it, it, um, one of the things I've had to learn is that once you get a good guest, just let them talk. Shut up, Eric, and just let him talk. <laughs>
1: And the next question will come naturally if you're paying attention. If you're right. just looking at your list of questions, it'll be the worst interview ever. Yeah. If you go into it with an open mind and you're just listening to the person, the next question will come naturally, and it'll probably be pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so the, the 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 next amazing question that I'm going to ask you, because I've been listening carefully, <laughs> is that um, you have covered – A lot of really great, interesting stories. Before we get into the topic, what were the stories that you covered before you started this podcast that prepared you for the toll?
1: Oh, my goodness. 20 years worth of death and destruction and sadness. Um, And I tour schools and I talk to kids about my job and kind of try and jazz them up for life. And I tell them these stories. Um, to prepare them, look, what do you want to do for a living? And make sure you kind of go through a mental checklist before you say yes to jobs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some can be hard. Um, and I think that this job is hard. It's hard mentally. It's hard physically, um, but it is so rewarding. I know a couple of them come to mind. A state trooper um, was hit on the interstate and his wife was a dispatcher back at the patrol and, He wasn't supposed to be out there that day. You know, it's stories like that that just really tear at your heart or um, covering the tornado and and a woman literally laying right there in the ditch beside you and she's dead and you're going live on the radio to get her help. Um, I have a lot of those stories. I have been in this community for decades and the community trusts me and they love me and they help me. Um, and when those stories break, that trust is invaluable because they'll take me to places they would never take anybody else. Simply because they know that I won't do something stupid or jeopardize whatever's going on, and I, and I get the best story. Yeah,
0: because I feel as if I've known you for a long time. I feel as if I know you through your podcast and um, and through and through Twitter and. And even even just trying to do this interview with you, I probably, if you asked me any question, any question at all, I'd probably easily give you the answer and not even think twice about it. Is this something, is this just, is this a skill that anybody can develop? Getting, just getting into people's heads, getting into, and, and their hearts? Or is this just a natural gift for you, do you think?
1: You mean being the Kelly Clarkson of the outdoors,
0: <laughs> Sure.
1: Um, no, it is who I am. It's what I've always been. My daughter, she can't take me anywhere. I'm um, at the store in the line, and the girl on the register is pouring her heart out to me. Um, we're getting ready to get on a ride at the amusement park, and the people in front of me are pouring out their hearts to me. It has always been who I am. I don't know if it's just me growing up in a hard life and being empathetic toward most every situation or most every walk of life. Um, I I exude happiness. I'm a very happy person. Um, You know, it's that whole, if if you go to a, a group of people, who do you ask the question to? You ask the question to the person who's smiling. And I'm always smiling, so people approach me. Um, I've always been very approachable, and people will tell me anything. <laughs> they just will. Um, I, I don't know. I just—it's uh, always been that way. I've always been very lucky in this business. People trust me, but I don't—I don't burn you either, right? I would never take something that I'm not supposed to and use it or use it against you. And that goes back to trust.
0: How do you how do you like go to somebody who is suffering from the most imaginable loss you can you can think of, and then ask them really hard difficult questions? I mean that's right. that, that's not, that's not an easy job, Nancy. So
1: it's it goes back to stories that I'll tell in the classroom. Um, I I drive down to a slab of concrete where a big beautiful house used to sit, and a man's there with his pickup. And he says, which one are you? I say, hi, I'm Nancy from KTTS and I am so sorry. This sucks. And he'd be like, ah, come here. Where's my refrigerator? Where's my couch? Like whole life has just been torn apart by a tornado. Um, And I I usually start with, I'm so sorry this happened to you. And I mean it. Yeah. Yeah. you know, when I say that to somebody, I'm so sorry this happened. Will you talk to me? And almost always they will. And it's hard with um, technology evolving because most of the people I find now are through Facebook, right? Right. And I have to send this message that's cold and factual. <laughs> you right. know, I, I try to jazz it up, but it's just not a conversation face-to-face. So It's just, it can't escape. But if I can just kind of, give you a little nugget and have you call me, then I can get you. Um, it's that, that first initial, Ugh, I don't want to call her. Um, but yeah, usually um, if I can get them on the phone, if I can have a heart to heart, I can almost always get them to talk to me.
0: Speaking of, of, of getting people to talk, you covered a, a really difficult topic in Season one of the toll. I um, I think the obvious question is, how did you come up with the name of the podcast, The Toll? Uh, because I there's there's so there's so much information in there to unwrap.
1: So the toll is the toll, right? The effects that um, a murder or some kind of violent crime. It can be something even very simple that happens in a community. And how many people are affected, investigators, the family, community, the teacher, all of these people have a soul they now carry once something like this happens to them. And that's the story that I wanted to tell. When I first wrote um, the pilot, episode one, um, I wrote that sucker three times. (laughs) I wrote it. And then I realized I'm trying to solve this crime, and I never wanted to solve it. Um, I don't want to say I never wanted to solve it. I didn't, that was not my intention mm-hmm. when I started out. It's 44 years old. It's everybody's gone or have been gone, or they're in bad health. You know, a lot of the players just aren't around anymore. And I was being very realistic about this story. I just really wanted to tell Shirley Jane's story very well. And when I wrote the pilot, the first, I saw the crime, and I'm like, I can't do this. This isn't this isn't the toll. So I tore that up, and I wrote it again. And then we had a consultant come in and talk to us about what a great pilot is. And it was nothing that I had. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I pulled my big girl panties up. I went into work (laughs) on a Saturday where it was really super quiet, and I cried. And I cried at my desk. And I have to write this again and i don't want to but i have to and then it ended up being what it is now so that creative thing that you have to do when you don't want to do it right. it can really be amazing right when you kick it in
0: yeah is it it's it, this sounds like a silly question but it's so, and it's it, and it's an ans- it's a it's a question and an answer that only fellow creatives can understand how, how how hard is it to take something that you've loved and you've looked at it and you know it's not right and you have to start over again and 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 get it right how, where where do you get the strength to to, ta- to to throw out something that you're practically married to and start all over again
1: yeah it's hard and i had to do that twice with the with the first episode And I think you just have to come to the realization that it's best for what the project is. You have to do and you want to do the best you can. And in order for that to happen, you have to check your ego at the door. And you have to say, listen, this can be better, this can be different, and you have to be open-minded about it. Not only did I have to rewrite the pilot, I spent about six months on an episode that didn't make it in.
2: Really? It is going to be
1: in season two, but my executive producer and um, my technical producer and audio editor decided this isn't where this fits and we're pulling it. And I went, oh, oh, okay, all right. And then they explained to me that it really fits in season two. And I went, oh, we're not scrapping it. We're just moving it. Okay. Okay. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> but you have to have other opinions. Otherwise you just have what you have and um, there needs to be more opinions in your project.
0: Because you, it's so easy to get myopic and to, yeah. and to get that tunnel vision um, with the, now you had the vision to do a podcast. Was it you and producer Jay, who I also feel like I know very well, did, yes. you, did you guys say that you wanted to do a true crime podcast and you were looking for a story to do? Or did you come across the story of um, Shirley Jane Rose and said, we got to do a podcast about this?
1: Um, I decided, well, I'm going to think about this. Should I do a true crime podcast? Do I have the time? Huh, okay. Well, let's entertain the idea. Oh, I know what case it is. And then I got no traction. I got no one to call me back. The mom had moved. Everything was kind of weird. And I just felt, okay, this is going nowhere. And then I started down a different road on a different um, episode, a different topic. And that's actually going to be season two. Um, And we really, I actually have a lot of interviews already done on that because that was going to be our push. Then that kind of started to stall and something happened, which you'll learn in season two, what happened that came to a grinding halt. And I had started entertaining the idea of Shirley Jane Rose. Um, her cousin, as you learn in the in the podcast, is a dear friend of mine. Um, I have known her for 20 years. And she told me this story 22 years ago. And I just kind of filed it back and we've never talked about it again. And I thought, I wonder if I could get enough people to talk to me about that case. It's just so unknown. People don't really know about it and it's four decades old and so, the more I started asking questions, the more I realized I knew quite a few players in in the in the series that I could interview and people that I could get a hold of. And it just started getting more traction. And so we started going with this one.
0: as a dad, um, there's something about this episode that really touched me. Um, the first time I heard your podcast, from beginning to fit to end, I just got done with my second job. I worked a 12-hour shift at a factory. And I was listening to your podcast uh and it was it was it it was, it was the it, it was the pilot. And there is something about the loss of a little girl or a little child that is that is every parent's nightmare. And then I stayed up there the rest of the night listening to this. Um, what is it about the story of um of Shirley Jane that was so important that you had to do this show, that you had to do this podcast and focus solely on her?
1: Well, there were a few things. Um, as you learn through the podcast, her and I have a lot of things that intertwine. And when I would feel like should I do this story? I was standing there in the newsroom holding the one sheet cold case. I realized hey. and there's a feeling that comes over you that you can't explain. But that feeling is, I'm supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm really supposed to do this. And then as I was researching um her her life and through stories and through the stupid nasty microfiche from the library that you couldn't read, <laughs> yep. I realized I'm seeing November twenty first. November 21st is my birthday, and November 21st is her birthday, and it was these little nuggets like that kept saying, go, push, go, go, and I was like, wow, so we had a lot of those. You also, I think, relate to Shirley Jane Rose. Uh, Maybe you have a lot of kids in the family, and you're kind of somebody in the middle who Mm -hmm. you know... you just kind of get lost in the shuffle. I know we had that in my family. Um, I grew up poor and I grew up with a hard life. I could relate to to Shirley Jane Rhodes. I absolutely could have been swiped off a road at nine years old. That could have been me. Um, Or if that's not who you um, were in your family or how you grew up, you know that little girl in your community. Maybe you're a teacher or you're a bus driver or you're somebody at the grocery store and you see Shirley Jane Rose and you know that things are are hard probably at home Um, but I tell you what, over and over everybody said she's sweet and she was kind and she was just fun to be around and she was just a a great little girl and you heard that over and over and over and that's just really something I could relate to I had such a hard time growing up but I'm a pretty happy person and so it was a little Similarity like that, that I think um, I know I could relate to, and I think a lot
0: of people can relate to. There is something about her, and I'm looking at her her picture right now um, from from my show notes. Every everybody knew this girl. Now you may not have known her by name. You may not have known this specific girl, but you. If you grew up in the 70s and the 80s, maybe even the 60s and the 90s, who knows there is something every girl about her. there is even though that she was she lived in poverty. there is this all-American girlness about her that I think that exceptionally like tugs at the heartstrings and the fact that she had a a, a difficult life, one of the things I really admired about you In doing this podcast, is that you you walked the fence where there there are I think that there's like there's there's two major theories of what happened to her. And there's the the question about whether or not it was somebody within the family or this or the stranger who had a, a sketchy past and a sketchy life. How, how did how did you walk that balance, and and what do you th- now that you've done the podcast? What do you think about the two theories about what happened to to, to Shirley Jane?
1: I think with this case, I was able to walk the line so carefully. <laughs> yeah, it was easy. I don't know who did it. I don't know if that guy did it. I don't know if somebody was sitting in her parking lot in her driveway and took her. I don't know. I, uh, spoiler alert. I don't know what happened to Shirley Jane Rose. Yeah. I don't know who took her, but I do know that through investigating this. And, and again, my, my goal was to never solve this. I just wanted to tell a really great story and get this girl a little hint of you had a life and it mattered. Um, but then learning that there is, possibly um, some clothing with DNA on it, Mm -hmm. maybe some other things that could be tested, wouldn't it be amazing if that could happen? If that could happen for the suspect's family, if that could happen for her family, it would just bring a lot... Of course, it would bring a lot of answers to our community. And uh, 44 years later, it's just so unimaginable.
0: Because, I mean, there, there has to... I mean, it's crazy for me to say this because, I mean, I'm all the way up here in New Hampshire. Um, I really want justice for this little girl, but I also want justice and closure for one of the suspect's families because he may or may not have done it. And in in, in doing the show prep and, and in the first version of, of, of this interview before we lost the signal and had to start over again, you actually said... That one of his family members had spoken to you and said she wants closure and 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 you and she wanted you to help to see if he really did it or not. um what was that experience like?
1: yeah, the family, his family, and this is a person who was very close to the situation um and she did agree to do an interview with me, and then she called me later and said. I can't. Um, there are reasons that I can't do this and I had to respect that, but I cannot even count the amount of time. She said, thank you so much for looking into this. I want to know, did he do it? Did he not do it? Because if he did it, he did it. But if he didn't, the toll on that family has been crazy incredible. Of course it is. when somebody in your family is accused of something like that. Um, yeah, they want to know, too. And they were very, very kind to me throughout this, even though some of them pulled. See, I I wish I could use them. You know, you I yeah. know reporters and investigators go through this all the time, but I did have more that I had to withdraw, on, and we have to be respectful of that.
0: Yeah. Um, one of the things that you also spent at least a good part of one episode, you were talking about... Um, crime fighting in the 70s and the early 80s and how it's changed so much.
1: Yeah so what you hear from officers is crazy amount of change
0: yep.
2: right they have
1: laptops in their cars and they have DNA and they have stuff they can detect blood with and it's uh, it's a completely different world. I use we use a, um, an expert in Seattle um, who's now part of the Attorney General's office. His name is Cloyd Steiger and he did homicide. 32 years um, in Seattle, and he we used him as an expert uh, uh, in our case. But you know, he was just like, They they had stones, you know, we have <laughs> we have diggers and a whole construction crew, you know, yeah. they had little bitty hammers to work with back then. It's it, it's not their fault, um, it's the tools they had. But look what we have now, and if we apply some of what we have now to what they kept, which is oh usually unheard of Mm -hmm. maybe we can put some pieces together
0: because with the technology that we had now and this is something that was also featured in whereas like i think it was like in 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 one like maybe the second to the last or the last episode if i merely touch you Mm -hmm. if i just put my hand on your shoulder or if i put my hand on your hand so some, some lab expert could swab the back of your hand and 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 find my DNA off of touch just touch off, DNA, off yeah. of touch or if you just walk in the room and 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 some of the dander that flakes off of you could be could be found um there's like real hope that with the evidence that they may have been able to gather from 40 some odd years ago they could conceivably solve this case what do you think the chances of that and this is a ridiculous question because you you don't have a crystal ball Well, the thing is is it do you think that with the tech could there ever be a technology where we can actually go through some of the evidence that was saved and 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 find the killer through through DNA oh, through because we're constantly donating our DNA to ancestry.com or all these other programs and stuff like that. <laughs> Do you, what does your gut tell you about the technology and how it's changing?
1: I think they have the blouse that the killer wrapped around her neck and strangled her with. Could the DNA still be there? Yeah. I know they've had it tested a couple of times, but you know, 1996 to 2019 is completely
2: different. Mm-hmm.
1: So I just hope that. We can all cooperate and help and whatever it takes. And, and I I just hope if it's there, that it can be tested at the very least to yeah. say yes or no. Um, could this guy be in CODIS? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, could I get a hold of a family member if it's the man in the episode that we talk about? Absolutely. I could get a hold of a family member who would probably give up and 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 let us test against it. Wouldn't that be
0: amazing? It really would be. I
1: don't
0: know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, one of the things that I also wanted to uh, talk to you, and I mean, again, spoilers, and t- and to my listeners, I mean, you I, I, please stop what you're doing, and 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 listen to the toll. Um, and like like I had said when I was when I had talked about this on Twitter, is this as good as cereal? No, it's it's actually better because. I actually felt something for you, the reporter and and Shirley Jane and her family and friends that I didn't feel when I listened to the first season of serial um because you, you I, there's something about you that I think that you you actually genuinely cared. Um, how did, how did this affect the town? Because the thing is, is that this is another thing where it's just like, I feel like, like I really know the town, but I've, I've never been there. How were you able to convey that?
1: Well, thank you for the compliments. I appreciate that. And I adore cereal. Yep. Um, one of the reasons we were like, oh, cereal awesome. Maybe we could try. You know? yep. That's what a lot of people thought. And I, I love that they paved the way. Um, I really kept in mind that not everybody lives here. And that's kind of hard. You have to really pull yourself up and, and do a sky-eye view of the city to make sure that you're not being too technical, mm-hmm. to make sure that you're not being too descriptive when it comes to streets. Not, and, and Jay and I did a video to really help kind of visualize that, help you visualize that. So that that did help. But you really have to pay attention to that. I think um, I've always been a good writer, descriptions, um painting a picture. I've been in radio for over two decades. Um, it has been my life to paint a picture Mm -hmm. and to place you exactly where I'm at, to place you at the scene of the child who was just hit on, on riding his bicycle to school or, um, the tornado has just wiped out this house. Like that is who I've been most of my adult life is telling this story. Um, and I think that part Oh, obviously helped a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I do care. I have a lot of empathy. Um, people will say that about me all day long. I, I listen. I'm a very active listener. When you talk to me, I feel you, and I can respond to you. I'm paying attention. And I think when you're interviewing somebody, um, you know, I just go that extra step to pay attention to what they're saying, and then I'm able to, again, tell a better story. Sure, and I I hope that's what I hope comes out of, of the toll. If you're talking about me telling a story yeah. and, and the writing, because I wrote every word of that, yeah, <laughs> every single word I wrote.
0: Why? Like again, I don't want to get too spoilish. There's also a supernatural element to this. Um, can we call it a haunting? And is this something that we really wanted to talk about? Because I really like. I don't want to give anything away because I want the listeners to to to, to, listen, to to listen to the podcast. But there's also this big, huge elephant in the room, and that's the supernatural element. Can we talk a about a couple
1: the? big elephants in the room? And that is one of them. For that sure. Is, can
0: we can we talk um, about the videotape?
1: I think so. I think that it is addressed in a way that makes it less supernatural and more about the family who is in this place, who feel they're affected by something that's there. And whether you believe in something as far as ghosts are concerned, that's up to you. Mm
2: -hmm. Not
1: trying to convince you on any level. I'm just telling a story of some people who say they were affected yeah. by something going on in a building. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? <laughs>
0: that's that's wonderful. There is for my listeners, there is something eerie about the house where Sarah, um Shirley Jane lived and when I listened to to this episode, I was physically exhausted. And when I got to the episode that featured the videotape, I could not sleep for another couple of hours. It's almost like a war shock test. You see what you want to see is the best way I can describe it. I have interviewed paranormal investigators. And I went on two paranormal investigative outings, I guess is what you could say. And I've seen things. I've seen things uh, and, I, and I've, I've heard things that defy explanation. But there is a part of it, whereas there's a part of your mind that wants to go there and wants to believe that there is a supernatural element. And I do think that there is that same element is the one who sort of tapped you on the shoulder and said, this is the story that you have to do. Um, so, yeah, I, do, I don't want to take up too much of your time and because i it's like I said, I feel like I know you what what's been the reaction from the true crime community the fans who listen to true crime podcasts how what's what's there been their reaction to you about the series
1: um first, I have to ask what do you see in the video
0: um I see her hmm
1: Okay, we'll just leave it
0: there. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, I'm being honest. I, don't. I, I think. I, I think. I yeah. I don't know what to say either.
1: I can tell you, I brought that video home and I put it on the big screen, as I say in the podcast, and it was really crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and we had all the lights out. Um, So we do this lunch through the radio station, and we get to meet and greet listeners, and it's really fun. But This one woman walked in today, and she said, I said, hi, I'm Nancy Simpson. She goes, oh, I know who you are. I listen to your podcast. I've heard you on the radio. And I was just like, wow. And she goes, I feel like I know you. Your podcast was really great. Mm -hmm. So locally, I'm really building steam. Um, My team were a bunch of overachievers, so we're six weeks in. And we're doing amazing. We all want to do more because that's who we are. But when you step back and look at um, the reaction I'm getting from the community, amazing. Mm -hmm. From the podcast community on social media, amazing. Uh, I'm really getting really great feedback. And it feels really great. It is something that is very different than you've ever listened to. You, um, I believe, listen to every episode and go, Whoa! Didn't see that coming. Right. Wow, that's different. Oh my gosh! It's it's also about me and my stories and my experiences, and um, I, I hope I'm a great storyteller, and that and that you enjoy that. But yeah. it is it is different than anything out there. I believe.
0: Like uh, you put everything, like on the table. You put everything out there. You also share a lot about your life. Um, there's a lot of things about your life that it was like. Uh, I started. To, I started to tear up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And you and I, uh, you know, we, we both grew up without dads. Um, our 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 parents had a hard time. Um. Uh, how 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 are you able to put all of that out there? Um and still have something left for yourself. Or did did you just did did you say, I hope that what I say helps other people and hope hope other people who are going through the same thing are able to get strength from from, from my story?
1: Um, well just a correction, surely Jane, Jane didn't grow up without a dad, but I did. Okay. My dad was
2: abusive.
0: Okay. Um
1: so I know that I have gotten strength from others who have come forward and told their story. And I know how valuable um, a story that is sincere can be because I've had those stories happen Mm -hmm. to me. So when I tell this story and I break down, um, you feel it. And if this has happened to you and this is something that you have been subjected to or you Mm -hmm. have watched your friends be subjected to, it moves you. There's mm-hmm. no way it can't move you. Um, also, I can tell you in season two, the episode that was pulled from season one to be put in season two yeah. is another huge story about my life. Very huge story yeah. about my life.
2: Yeah.
1: And the um, executive producer and, um, and our producer, our audio editor, decided that they were two big stories, personal stories, and they couldn't be together together in one season so that's why the next uh season will have it'll have another big reveal of my life in there and it's a doozy you guys it's a
2: doozy it's huge i guess
0: (laughs) because you you keep teasing it's almost like it's almost like you want to share something now maybe no i just Uh, i mean say yeah no save something for season two um so i want i also want to talk about your team uh um all the other people who are behind the scenes and who out of all of your team t- tell me about your team and 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 all the members of, of your team who stand out
1: sure so there's six of us we created a business to make this real because we are all very um regarded professionals in our field, and this allows us to have a lane my lane is investigator host writer Jay Lashley, who is the program director for our Top 40 station, is the co-creator and the executive producer. And then Kat Morgan Gaines, um, she also works in our building. She is the you know commercial guru. She puts together all those great sounds that we have. But she is the technical producer and audio editor for The Toll. And then we have a team in Detroit, and that stems from my sister, um, Pamela Shelby. She's the marketing manager, and she works for a huge marketing company in Detroit. And she has a creative team, and she put it out there. Anybody want to be a part of this? And a couple people went. Oh, love true crime. Would yeah. love to do this. Yes. So Shelby uh, Powers is our website design and digital creative director. And I don't know if you have been on the website, mm-hmm. but it is phenomenal.
0: It's pretty terrific.
1: Uh, and we also have Christina Oswald. And Christina, we call her a lot the Harry Potter of the group. She is the technical analyst for digital strategy, so she is helping us. She has some kind of magic wand and crystal ball she uses. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We we don't know what she does, but it's pretty cool. (laughs) So together with this team, I don't have to worry about a website. I don't have to worry about analytics. I don't have to worry about marketing as much. Um, I I can do my lane, which is investigate. And uh, that's an amazing feeling for like two, over two years, it was just me working and writing. And then we started putting together this team and my sister's like, I'll help you. Mm -hmm. And we were like, okay, because we have no idea what to do from here. And it's hard. It's hard out there.
0: What do you think is one of the greatest misconceptions about uh, fans of true crime that you would like to dispel?
1: I don't know. Mine's kind of different because mine is an investigation in, in a big series. You know, I've heard a lot of podcasters out there who um, do stories. I've heard your podcast about people who do stories. Yep. <laughs> and um, and don't exactly give the credit that credits do. Or um, you know, there's just
0: and, and they put out a
1: lot and they get a lot of numbers and they get a lot of followers and. That's really hard to do on something like this. Yep. This takes time. This took me three years. Three years. And um, the reaction from, from everybody is like, what's next? When's your next season out? And I'm right. like, oh, my gosh, you guys. <laughs> I spent three years on this. But they binged it, and they want more. And I yeah. love that they want more. Yeah. But I think the misconception for, for the style that I'm doing is that quick or it's, um, I, I don't know. I, I All I can say is it took me three years and it took me every bit of that to put this together. Yeah,
0: sort of brushed the side of this controversy that has occurred in the true crime podcast community. It's sort of like a silly question to ask an investigative reporter, but I do think that it is an important question to ask anyway. Um, how is How important is it, To cite your sources and give credit to where credits due for for the people who are thinking about listening, uh, starting their own podcast.
1: Well, I think um, for me it was easy. I mean, I go and talk to police themselves, and I use their tape and I use their words. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, they're telling their story. Um, I think there was one person. Um, who was in the podcast who I just say, I talked to her and this was her general story because I didn't feel comfortable using her sound, even though she told me she could under certain restrictions, which I would never agree to. Um, uh, I didn't have to, I didn't have to not mention her at all. I just didn't mention her name and I just mentioned general, but the rest of it, I, I go get the interview. I work and work till I get it, and uh, when it came to blogs, that was kind of weird because blogs are weird anybody can write anything exactly, but I just that's what I said. these are blogs you guys that's exactly
2: what <laughs> you did
1: just, we'll just kind of dig into them and see right. what it says, but I'm warning you these are from blogs yeah um so I, I would just literally make sure it was all back before I had the interview and once you have the interview you know,
0: well, that's easy, <laughs> right? Because the thing is, you can say I'm talking I'm talking to Eric Fisk from New Hampshire about this topic, and this is his contact information. You and you do that. You did that when it was appropriate. The thing is, I mean, for me, the important thing is is that you you did a job, you did the work. Whether whether I, whether I'm talking about Nancy Simpson's work or I'm talking about somebody else's work. Uh, like one of the one of the things that we try to do on my podcast is that this is a news story from the New York Times published at this date. This is the headline. Sure. This <laughs> is the author. And, it, and if I and if I can't pronounce the the author's name, I say I, I apologize. And I and I try my best. I really do because the the thing is is that these people did the work. These are the people. And if it wasn't for these reporters, if it wasn't for news reporters, and uh, you know, newspapers would die. We would be ve- we would be grossly misinformed, or, uh, or in an uninformed. Um, and the thing is, I, I don't, I can't think of any any greater crime in in journalism besides plagiarism. And and as podcasters, and I I know this is this is an am- for most of us, this is an amateur. Um, occupation. It's just a mere hobby. But still, you got to give the credit to where the credit's due. Where did you get the story? Because the thing is, that adds to your credibility as well. If you mention, I heard this on Nancy's podcast. Her podcast is um, uh, The Toll. Then people are going to say, okay, er- Eric cited his source, so he's a little bit more legitimate. If you just take people's information, you pass it off as your own not only are you doing the authors and the reporters and their organizations a the disservice, you're also eroding your own credibility. I believe. I don't mean to evangelize over that, but I'm just you know. <laughs> I, but I think it's important. And it, it is important. It, is,
1: it doesn't take away from your crown to to give somebody else credit for their work. You, you can put a different twist on it or tell your story. Right. Yeah, I just. Yeah. And how hard is that to give somebody credit for their own work? I know in my podcast, because it was so old, I did depend on newspapers a yeah. lot. Um, and I would say that, you know, this this mom told the reporter in the newspaper at the time, you know, yeah. um, it's what you have to do. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's just not that hard to give somebody credit right. where they did all the
2: work. Right, <laughs>
0: right. And, and also your team. Your team also deserves a lot of the credit as well. Um, and i like listening to your post your your um, your post show credits when you mention when, when you write read off all the people all the staff members um i don't i really don't want to ask you any more about season two um because i really i really want it to be a surprise but i think the question that i need to to have an answer to is how, how long can you keep going? How many seasons do you have a season three planned out? How long do you think that you can go at this? Well, let's go till we see you when we can't go anymore.
1: Okay. <laughs> I love it. I've done it. You know, I've been an investigative reporter for 22 years, and it's just kind of in my DNA. I think from here on out, they won't take three years. Mm-hmm. You also have building a business in that. Um, you have building a team in that. So hopefully this can be streamlined. Um, I, as we, as I've listened to you guys talk about, you know, if I had that much money, boy, what could I do with it? Mm-hmm. Hire researchers and people to help me and make phone calls. Wouldn't that be amazing? Um, so, boy, that would be amazing if that could happen down the road. But, um, you yeah, know, I'm pretty efficient. I've been doing this for a long time. And hopefully, uh, like I said, season two won't take three years. I'm hoping to have it out in 2020 for sure, yeah. um, at least by the end. Um, But I do have bonus episodes coming um, for my fans who are like, where is more? I have two episodes that are actually connected to The Path Back Home that will be coming out shortly. One will be on the anniversary of um, Shirley Jane Rose's body being found, which is December 13th. And then I have two episodes that I'm working on separately. They are separate cases. Um, One is about a serial killer, a suspected serial killer in the Ozarks and his connections kind of throughout the United States and, and the, the case here at home.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so that'll be coming up and then I have another one. And so uh, just little ones along the way that are going to be about an hour and 20 minutes apiece, hopefully manageable. Um but it is a lot of work. I have a full-time job. I am I'm a morning show host for the number one radio station in Southwest Missouri. Yep. We're a heritage station, you know, news, traffic, weather. Um and uh and I'm the morning show. Um yeah, I got a big job. So, yeah, can it go forever? I hope. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I know I have season two planned and season three. Uh, I have a pretty good idea where I could go with season three. Yeah. So let's just go until we can't.
0: I, I love that. Promise me that, that you will come back and and promote um, season two. And if there's anything that I can do for you on my end, I mean, I know I'm only in New Hampshire,
1: I love it.
2: (laughs)
0: But if you if you need anything from me or the rest of the the podcast community, because we're out here for you, Um, that's one of the wonderful things that I have discovered is that the true podcast, the true crime podcast community, is just huge into helping other people out. It's it's phenomenal. Whereas it's like, oh, I, let's 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 change let's trade information. I want to do research on a on a crime that was committed in, in your neck of the woods. Get in touch. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things and I and, and I had no idea there was, there was so much interest in, in, in true crime in New England until until recently. But promise me that you will come back.
1: I would love to come back. Okay. And, <laughs> Anytime.
0: And 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 I'm keeping my fingers crossed that, that we'll both have better connections next time.
1: Yes, let's get that fence up and the cable fixed. That'd
2: be yes. amazing, I think.
0: Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and I'm telling you if we have to start a GoFundMe, we we will we will do that. But I'm pretty sure that you're going to you'll you'll manage. You'll do great because you have a great to support team behind you. Thank
1: you yes, I have a great team. And thank you Eric for your time. I so appreciate it.
0: I I'm telling you it's like this has been a, a, a huge thrill for me and I cannot wait to hear season take your time I want it done right it's done when it's done right can got
1: <laughs> your sources
0: yeah <laughs> absolutely so um thank you again
1: thank you you have a great week
0: to our listeners Nancy Simpson can be found on Twitter at K-T-T-S, Nancy. The Toll Podcast can be found online, thetollpodcast.com. That's all one word, thetollpodcast.com. Or search for The Toll Podcast on your device's podcast app. This has been True Crime, one-on-one from the Fedora Chronicles. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles and episodes of True Crime, one-on-one, by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by simply searching for The Fedora Chronicles on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook after you found it so you can keep up with what we'll be talking about on the next episode. Facebook and Twitter and our email address, at Google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with comments and show topic suggestions. We might even read your comment on the air on a future episode support the show by contributing to our patreon page patreon.com slash fedora chronicles from your dollar a month you get early access to the podcast updates on what we're doing for five dollars a month you get all that and a t-shirt or coffee mug terms and conditions apply thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing you can also support the show And show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Exactly 12.5% of every sale goes to keeping this show and everything else on the Fedora Chronicles on the air, or online as it were. The theme song for this show is Hopeful Cello by Cosmo Lawson from Premium Beat, which provided the license for the song. The Fedora Chronicles podcasts, including True Crime 101, is edited and produced by me, Eric Render King Fisk. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2019 2020. All rights reserved.